Get ready to jumpstart your scientific career with practical advice on being a successful and contented scientist. Each episode of the Happy Scientist podcast delivers hands-on, actionable steps you can take to ensure you stay happy, focused, and satisfied in the lab. Available on all popular podcast platforms, hit the subscribe button and start your journey towards a more fulfilling scientific career. the Happy Scientist Podcast. Each episode is designed to make you more focused, more productive, and more satisfied in the lab. You can find us online at bitesizebio.com slash happy scientist. Your hosts are Kenneth Vogt, founder of the executive coaching firm Vera Claritas, and Dr. Nick Oswald, PhD, bioscientist, and founder of Bite Size Bio. Hello and welcome to the Happy Scientist podcast from Bite Size Bio. If you want to become a happier, healthier and more productive scientist, you're in the right place. I'm Nick Oswald, the founder of BiteSizeBio.com, where we provide bioscience researchers with help for improving their technical skills, their soft skills and their well-being. And in this podcast, we'll be focusing on the latter of those three areas. With me, the driving force of this podcast, it's Kenneth Vogt. I've worked with Kenneth for over seven years now with him as my business mentor and colleague, and I knew that his experience would help a lot of researchers, so we started this podcast. In these sessions, we'll hear mostly from Ken on principles that will help shape you for a happier and more successful career. Along the way, I'll pitch in with points from my personal experience as a scientist and from working with Ken. So let's bring in the man himself. How are you doing today, Ken? I'm doing great, Nick. It's great to be here. Well, today we're going to start a new three-part series. And this one is entitled Recognizing the Core Mindsets that Control Your World. And again, we're going to talk about six things. Six is a number you're going to find I like a lot because anybody can remember six things as long as we give you enough framework to, to understand them. And so we're going to talk about six core mindsets that exist in the world that, that, that is exist in the world that you're typically interacting with. Uh, the people that, that you work with um, and whether they be your, your fellows in the lab or they be your bosses or they be, be um, customers or clients or end users of, of, what, of whatever you've developed or the suppliers that you deal with. Everybody that you're interacting with is gonna have a basic way of looking at the world. So these core mindsets, they are, they are the irreducible components that make up each one of us. And they are each individual's go-to way of looking at things and approaching life. And when you go deep enough, you'll find that there's one process of these six that we're talking about that will continually show up in your attitudes, your perspective, and your underlying intention. And the same thing is true of everyone else you interact with. You'll start to recognize the mindsets that is being used by your boss or by the supplier or by this colleague or, or your spouse or your children or whatever. You'll, you'll start to see them as patterns. And the beauty of the patterns is that once you recognize the pattern, there's, there's a bunch of things about it that are, that are typical. And so you'll immediately know something about that person that even if there's somebody you just met, you can make a quick assessment and realize, okay, well, they probably have this kind of underlying thinking and it can, it can really help your interaction with them. It can help you 
Uh, it'll help you to understand them. It'll help you get them to help you do what you need to do. And if you understand your own mindset, it'll help you realize this is what I need to be satisfied. This is what I need to be functional and to get things done. And uh, it'll also help you realize what I have to do to interact with others. Because these, these mindsets, they, they kind of stack on each other. So just to, just to um, chime in with how I understand these, so Ken, is that this is a, a concept that you've uh, put together, I believe. Is that correct? Well, I'll go into the history of how I got to it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if you have uh, Okay, you're going to the history. Ahead. Okay, that's fine. My, well, my understanding is that whether you, made it, you came up with this yourself or it was derived from something else, this is a kind of observational grouping of people into kind of, you know, everyone can be grouped into one of six categories. Not, um, not exclusively. It's not like, uh, it's not that everyone's the same, but varying degrees, I think. But uh, the, core, the, the main idea is that it's, it's like the, what we talked about, the, the six human needs in the last few sessions. It's, it's, it's one way of looking at the world. It's one way of looking at people. Um, it's not claiming to be a panacea, but actually I have found that since uh, Ken showed me this concept, I find it remarkably accurate and um, or, or remarkably, you know, it's remarkable how people map to, to one of these six areas in general and and how, how helpful it is to understand where people are having conflicts or where people are not seeing things in the way that you do and so on. And again, that helps great with conflict resolution, um, helping to meet people's core needs and, and so on. Exactly. And, you know, as Nick is saying, this is not meant to be perfect, but it works 98% of the time. 98% of the time, you're going to know exactly what you're dealing with, and it really, really helps to, to clarify matters. It works it all, takes... of, all of the time, 90, 98% of the time. Sorry, I quite <laughs> yes. like that. Yeah, it, it takes it takes the guesswork out of it, and it takes the the uncertainty out of it, um, and and that really that can really be helpful. Now, there is a history to this, and yes, I did develop these six core mindsets. However, I, I stand on the shoulders of giants, <laughs> and the people that went before me are kind of interesting. So I, I think it's it's worth talking about. Now, these are also scientists, but they're in a different kind of science. We're talking about sociologists and psychologists. And I realize for folks in the hard scientists, they might find that a little squishy. <laughs> However, I think if you look at some of this stuff and you see the development of it, you will recognize a pattern that looks very familiar to you. That this, this is about, about um, experiment and results and, and learning what works and learning what doesn't work. And it's the same kind of thing. This this all began with something, was a concept called spiral dynamics that was developed by <clears throat> um, a professor of psychology that uh, his name was Claire Graves. And this was really more of a sociological outlook on the world. He was looking for how do human societies develop? And you think, okay, well, what does that have to do with me in the lab? And I'll grant you, not much. <laughs> and in fact, his, his thinking about this didn't really get that, that much attention and he eventually died and, and that was that. 
But a few other psychologists years later picked up on this and thought, you know, while it makes sense from a sociological standpoint, is there a psychological application to this? And, And they found that there was. So these two scientists were Christopher Cohen and uh, Don Beck. And and they took Claire Graves' work and said, let's try and apply this to individuals. And and they went they went down a long rabbit hole and it's complicated and messy. And and I looked at all that and I thought I thought this is really fascinating, but what can we do to make this applicable to just average people in their normal working lives because again you know my practice was was consulting for people in business and so i developed this again i was a system that had to have six components because six was a number i knew that people could remember and that they could take forward day by day and so i thought how much of this can i map on and and i found it wasn't as difficult as i thought because i first looked at it and they had so many levels they had like 13 levels of things and and it was just too much to remember. It was too much for me to remember, and I was into it. You know? um, but then I realized out of these, actually most of those levels don't matter. They either have, they're, they're just not common in modern society anymore, or they're not yet common in modern society, because they, they also are, are uh, they were considering about how will mankind continue to grow. So well, let's, let's stick to where mankind is here. Let's stick to what we got now, and so there are six core mindsets that you're likely to encounter uh, at any given time in, in your work and in the people that you work with. If somebody isn't among one of these six, they're either, they're either unqualified to be part of your world or they have gone beyond it. <laughs> and, and so they don't matter in your world. In your world, you're gonna encounter these six groups. And and you'll probably just encounter two or three of them most of the time, but it's good to know about the others that are around the edges too. And so we're gonna talk about these. Now, the reason this thing was originally called spiral dynamics is because it was about an upward spiral of, of development. So you can imagine then that every, every uh, step of the way expands on the one that was before it. So I, I hesitate to call these things as a, as moving you know upward or or left to right you know like one is better than the other because the fact is and this is something I'm going to come back to again and again whatever level somebody's at they are absolutely doing the best they can this if they could do better they would move to the next level so we have to understand when we're dealing with people when we're talking about these mindsets if they have a certain mindset. They don't have it because they're lazy or they're stupid or they're they're you know, unwilling. They're just they are doing what they can do, and just that right there. If you start to recognize of all the people you deal with, especially the difficult people, that they're doing the best they can do, you'll start to take a different view of things. Yeah, it's it's quite it's quite an important point there to realize, isn't it? That what really what you're doing is looking at a map of a kind of overall map of how the mind as a, not as a collective but in, how the mind in general develops you know and and where and there's various reasons why people will uh you know 
depending on your upbringing or, or, or whatever, where you will begin on that, um, on, on this kind of, uh, in, in these classifications, if you like. Um, but it's possible to move, again, growth, moving to the next level of this mind, these sort of, this series of mindsets is, would you say that maps onto the growth that we talked about pre- in the previous episodes? Definitely. And another thing you're going to see about this too is that it maps to groups as well as it does to individuals. So you're going to see that departments have one of these one of these mindsets, or or whole academic organizations, or whole companies, or certain groups of people. And and again, it just it just adds this crystallization to things when you're looking at the world and you just go, ah, I get that. You know, there's a there's a structure here that I can as a starting point for me to understand this. So, <laughs> the another nice thing, this, this comes all the way back to Dr. Graves' original work. One of the things he did is he chose a color for each of these levels, which really was brilliant. I uh, mean, as, a, as a, a memory tool, it's great too. And, and it's, a, it's a joke that, that Nick and I have that, that we talk about colors all the time in, in, in his business. And, and of course I've trained some of his people too, some of his management people. So they, they are often talking about so-and-so's, so-and-so is orange or so-and-so is green. <laughs> and uh, it's an automatic uh, conveyance of a bunch of information between one person and another in a single word. So it's useful to, to think of these things in colors too. And what I think actually it's an important point though, because you can be talking about someone, as you'll find out once we get through and figure it, and sort of explain what each each color is. Once when you're talking about someone being orange or someone being of a green mindset, then if you didn't have those that classification, realize that those are two very different mindsets. Uh, then you could be criticizing that person for for just being difficult, or or you know not seeing it the way you see it. But if you say, okay, they're orange, so they're looking at it this way, but I tend to look at it another way. And so it's just realizing that they look at the world in a different way. So it actually, again, it diffuses the situation because you can say someone's being orange or red or whatever, uh, or or operating with that mindset. And you can then you get a different viewpoint on how they are thinking, or you not a viewpoint, you give a different acknowledgement to how they're thinking. And... Um, and then it helps you to understand why they're coming from that that place. Right. And it offers you an opportunity to be more compassionate to a person, especially if they are coming from a level that is below your typical level. And and you might think compassion is not really my in my job description. It's really useful. <laughs> when you realize that somebody is, is coming from that place, instead of seeing them as inferior, or stupid or less educated, you realize, oh no, they're just they're just purple. That's what's going on. It's just a different mindset. Yeah, it's. Re- I really, I really, although that we see the original idea is that it's an upward spiral. I'm quite uncomfortable about the idea of saying that that's better. I just don't think we have another word, you know. Um, but it's just different ways of looking at the world, literally, and it's possible yeah, it's an to expansion. move from one to the other. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like you know. Is a cell inferior to an organ? Is an organ inferior to a body? You know, well, they're different. You know, they're, they're just they're being what they're being. So, <laughs> we're going to talk about the first two today, and 
this is we're going to start at the at the the least developed point and and you're going to you're going to know some people like this you're going to recognize this right away the first one we're going to talk about we call connectors that's the label for them and connectors are purple so remember purple this is these are going to be the the memory tools for this somebody who is a connector thinks in a tribal fashion they have they've grouped up with other people for survival and they become all about the group the group is more important even than themselves they don't they don't really see their own personal identity as being very important they're much more important as a member of the group and the group has to survive so they'll protect they'll protect the group ardently you know they'll be all about that um, they they're going to care about their the, their little world. So you can imagine, um, just to, to, to use an example, that maybe somebody in a council table, you're looking at them and you go, man, they're so difficult to deal with. Every time I need to, to get something paid for, they make me jump through all these hoops. They do, and all they care about is their rules. Their, you know, what goes on on their side. They don't care that it's hard for me in the lab. They only care about it's good for them in accounting. Well, that's somebody that's being purple. And, and you know, they're going to circle the wagons real hard <laughs> around their own little world. Uh, you know, in an external life, you might think of, well, street gangs are purple. They're all about just the survival on the street, and they've grouped up for protection. And they're certainly willing to sacrifice individuals for that protection. And individuals even recognize that they are utterly expendable. <laughs> That's part of the purple mindset. And you can imagine the kind of fear that people live in when they realize that they are expendable all the time. But we see the same thing happen in academia. We see the same thing happen in the corporate world too. You know, it's not just happening on the street. There are people that are running scared all the time and you know, that's part of the purple mentality. Like what you're hearing? Ready to supercharge your scientific career? Discover practical advice on what it takes to be a successful scientist without sacrificing happiness. Learn the importance of meeting your human needs, identifying and unlocking your charisma factors, discovering your core mindsets, and much more. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack and get started on your journey to becoming a happier scientist today. Subscribe now and check the show notes to download. So another way that I think of, you know, to get um, or another sort of grouping to look at is what about countries? So for, for example, a purple country would be North Korea, maybe? Yeah, North Korea is definitely a purple okay. country. So it's about, the, it's about the collective individuals that are, exp are expendable. And the collective is more, uh, and, and it's all about survival. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, that, that can have the literal meaning of survival, but it can, it can also be a little, you know, a little more developed than that. But it's still, it's the same attitude. Corporate you know, survival. survival. Yeah. yeah, corporate survival, you know, I'm going to keep my job, you know, yeah. really matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and, and for folks like this, I mean, you just got to provide them with a lot of comfort. And you got to, you definitely got to listen to when they tell you, and they will tell you what matters to them and what they have to protect and what has to stay safe for them. Make sure you protect it. So, and, you know, a simple, 
a simple thing with this is if you're dealing with somebody like that in, you know, let's say payables is a, one example, but could be procurement or, um, you know, other areas. Once you realize that somebody's coming from that place, well, make sure you do what they need. If they've told you they got to have that, that A slash 337 form filled out, fill it out. You know, make sure it's filled out right. Do everything that they that they're asking for, and they will just click to, because now you're an honorary honorary member of the tribe because you follow the tribe, the tribe credo, <laughs> and, quite, and they won't mess with you. It's quite interesting how that maps to the to the human needs uh, we've been talking about. Is that and what this is all about? It sounds like to me is about certainty, and then if you're if you are not um, if you uh, don't look at the world in that way, you could easily go, I'm not going to fill that form in. I, I, I don't see the value. Then, you're, then you are violating their need for certainty. And the other choice you can make then is to understand that they need that and to, 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 pro to provide them with the, the, love and, the love and connection or provide them, yeah, that, that they need, you know, by, by doing what they need. And that, then that creates the virtuous circle. Sure. And if you you're gonna see some uh, some connection back and forth between this and and human needs, and you'll find that these initial ones, these initial mindsets we talk about, are gonna care far more about the lowest human needs. So certainty is gonna really matter to them. It's gonna matter, um, and and connection will matter to a certain degree, but probably not with you because you're probably not gonna be part of their tribe. You're just gonna be your you know, you're acceptable. You're not harmful to our tribe. <laughs> Certainty may be the only way you can really connect with them. Um, and, and so that's what you do. And even significance won't matter that much to them because they don't feel significant. They don't, they, they don't care about significance as much. I mean, everybody has it, but they care about being significant in their tribe. But outside of the tribe, nobody matters. And so how, how does this map on to something like, so say you are one of the, say you are, Orange, which we'll get to later, can, can you be, you know, are you not likely to form a friendship with a, a purple person or is that, is it, is it kind of, that'll be the sort of person you don't feel a connection with? Yeah. Uh, well, I will definitely expand upon that in, in episode, on the third episode of this series, but you're going to find the people that you gravitate toward are either in your same mindset or the, or an adjacent mindset. And to span multiple mindsets takes it takes a great deal of effort and a certain kind of exceptional way of thinking. So you're not going to find these these purple people reaching out much to you. And the reason I'm saying that is that if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably not purple. <laughs> uh, you're probably somewhere at one of the levels beyond this, and and you'll see this as as this is unfolding. And so that, it's that, good that, to know about those people because yeah. they are certainly in our world. And it's good to know about that compatibility thing, I think, because I, I don't know about you, but you go through life thinking, why can't I connect with those people? Is there something, is it something wrong with me or is it something wrong with them? So you can be either not compassionate to yourself or not compassionate to them. But you just, if you, if this helps to realize that actually we just, we just don't look at things in the same way. And, but we can, we can try and, and comp, you know, you can try and make life easier for that person you know, when, when your paths do cross. Yeah, exactly. And, and you can also realize why, like, Hey, you know, I just, there's no point in my working over the top on making this be the, 
you know, the chummiest relationship ever because it's probably just not going to happen. So yep. you don't need to worry about it. There's nothing yep. wrong. Yep. So, so now imagine the other thing that's going to happen here in, in these core mindsets is going to be something similar to um, what we found with human needs. There was an inward focus and an outward focus. Well, these as these things spiral upward, the inward and outward focus keep changing back and forth. So purple actually had an outward focus because it's focused on the tribe, to on, on the group. Well, what happens when somebody who's purple decides to take it up a notch and look inward? Well, then they become what we call an independent. And an independent we call red. Well, a red person, you know, imagine coming out of that kind of tribal environment and finally going, you know what? I matter. I personally matter. I So a red person starts turning their focus into themselves. And you think about red, red is great. Red is a loud color and independence, they like to be seen. And they like, they like everything to be all about them. And you probably know a lot of people like this. <laughs> they, they, they show up everywhere. And, and you know, it's funny that on, on one side, as we talk about red, you're gonna hear a lot of things that sound undesirable. You know, they're selfish, they're, they only they only care about their own needs. They, <clears throat> you know, they, they want all the attention. They, they, they suck all the oxygen out of the room. And you think, oh, that sounds awful. But some red people are pretty fun. <laughs> as, you know, and as long as you're on the same page as them, then everything's awesome. <laughs> and I, I think about like some, some musicians I know that are very red. Well, yeah, it's part of what makes them a great performer. Because they just they just up there being themselves, and it doesn't matter how outrageous it is or how over the top it is, and a lot of people look at that and go, "Man, I wish I could be like that." <laughs> you know, so that's the thing about about red folks. That what you have to get focused on when you're dealing with somebody that's red is you got to find out as quickly as possible what are they after, what is it that matters to them. And usually it's not that hard because they're not that quiet about it. <laughs> but once you figure that out, it's like, well, to deal with a red person is pretty easy. Give them what they want. Now, obviously that's within the bounds of is what they want, what you want. <laughs> is it for the greatest good? Is it beneficial to give them what they want? But oftentimes it is. Often they don't want anything that uncommon. And again, back on human needs, they're looking for significance. Boy, do they care about significance, man. And they like variety too, you know. They're, they're, that's part of the part of the red game. So, and and what about the what about the um, the idea of you know you give them what they need? What about the idea of kind of creating a dependency there? Is that something you would be concerned about? Um, it, it's got to be. Well, with red people, it generally is pretty transactional. So I, I I wouldn't be as concerned about dependency unless you're talking about for yourself. A red person will definitely take advantage of you if they can. Because um, the, again, the, their outlook is that just like everybody else. They think everybody else sees the world the way they do. And they're taking care of their own interests. So they're looking at you going, well, it's your job to take care of your interests. So in that regard, at any given moment when you're dealing with a red person, you can do some things you can't do with other people. You can be very direct with a red person. You can say to them, oh, I'm not doing that that's not what I want. Here's what I want. And a red person would be like, yeah, I get that. That's completely how I think. 
you know. <laughs> yeah, that's another really interesting application of this idea is is la- how you how you approach people. Then you don't approach a a purple person in the way that you would po- approach a red person. Just to um, you, you don't approach a problem or address a problem with a, a purple person as you, in the same way as you would with a red, and so on. Yeah, that, I guess you'll be opening that up as we go in. Yeah. Well, and now that you brought that up, let's let's look at that, and we can use these two as a comparison. You know, why wouldn't I go to a, a purple person and say, "No, I'm not doing that. Here's what I want." Because from the purple person's standpoint, it's like what I want. Why would that ever matter? Yeah, <laughs> you know? I, need, I need form X, Y, Z, thirty-two. <laughs> yeah, I gotta do what the tribe is call demands of me. You know, so you gotta you gotta fit into that too, and and. Whether you're inside the tribe or outside the tribe, their their thought is that well, maybe not in my tribe, but you're in a tribe, you know. <laughs> That's how they look at it. So you don't you don't approach it exactly that that same way. But when you realize when you're thinking about how do they think about things, you go, well, I got to fit into to their little world structure without rocking the boat too hard because they can't deal with it. Now there may be times when you're realizing, man, I got to rock the boat here. I got to make something happen and well, okay, what do I do now? Well, part of what you can do is you can ask them, like, what do you need? If, if I have to get this done, how do I do it? You know, what, what would I have to do for you to, to make that work? Generally speaking, they'll tell you. <clears throat> Sometimes, you know, a purple person won't be terribly creative and terribly, you know, they won't work outside the box too much but they will tell you what they need in their world. And, you know, if you can ask for that, you can get it. When you're dealing with a red person, it's a little more straightforward. It's like, what do you want? What is it you want out of this situation? They're going to tell you. They're probably telling you already. <laughs> it behooves you to listen to a red person. When a red person talks, they're going to they're gonna tell you everything you need to know. They, they won't keep any secrets. You know, <laughs> I mean, not... Not saying that they don't tell secrets, but I'm saying they will be transparent to you if you just bother to listen. <clears throat> the other thing, too, is then you can look at this and say, you approach a red person with like, okay, here's what here's what I need to do, and this is why it's good for you. You know, that this is why it's good for you is not a message that a purple person will care about. A red person, it's everything. You tell a red person, this is why it's good for your group, and they go, what group? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I don't care about my department. I don't care about, you know, my university or my company. I care about me. Yeah. (laughs) Lots of alarm bells ringing for people at the moment. (laughs) Yeah. And and again, think about how this has worked here, just, just stacking these two together. A purple person, if they grow, if they grow, they will become red. That's an advance. That's a step forward. And a purple person wouldn't stay purple if it was within their grasp to be red. If anybody could be red at that level, they would leave purple in a heartbeat. It's the natural progression of things. So whenever you see somebody there and you go, man, why are they being like this? Well, they're being like that because it's all they've got. They're doing the best they can. And, you know, I will, I will absolutely give it to you that dealing with purple people is frustrating. Fortunately, they don't usually rise too high in anything. You're not going to encounter too many purple people in your normal day-to-day work. 
in, in, in your career, mostly those people would just be on the fringes. You're probably going to encounter a number of red people, though. They won't rise very far, though, but they're going to be around. And sometimes the red people are brilliant. And that's why they get to, that's why they continue being red, because they can. They can be red and be obnoxiously selfish, but because they're bringing something special to the table, they're very talented or they're very, you know, deep into their into their area of expertise and and they can get away with it. So they don't bother to grow beyond it because they never they don't have they don't have a need to grow beyond it. It's working for them. So, you know, you, you look at it from those standpoints. Now, again, some of you listening, a very few, I, I doubt there are many people listening that are going to have heard purple and thought that's me. They are going to hear purple and go, oh, that's grandma. Or that's, you know, this person or that person. They're going to recognize purple in the world, though. Red, some of you are listening to red going, yeah, that's me. You know, and, and a red person will be unapologetic about it. Like, yeah, I'm about me. And you should be about you, too. I mean, who's going to take care of you but you? That, that, is, that is the red philosophy. And it is a functional philosophy in the world, too. So I'm not, I'm not telling anybody you should be any different than you are. Be what you are. <laughs> um, some of you are going to realize that I actually could be moving on this scale. Because most people, once they hit their adult life, they will settle into one of these mindsets and they will stay there for the rest of their lives. It's unusual for people to move mindsets. But if somebody does move mindsets, they might move several mindsets. So, you know, again, as, as, you, as you hear more about these and see the whole picture, you know, that'll become clear. But that, just to give you a little teaser for, for what's coming next. And I'll let you ponder, like, what would be next after red? If I'm, <laughs> if I'm red and I'm looking internally and I turn externally, what is it going to turn into? <laughs> so <laughs> I'll leave that as a teaser for the next section. Good stuff. So these are the first two <laughs> mindsets that we're going to cover. Yeah, I think that uh, this is of of all of the topics that I have discussed with you over the year, or not topics of all of the kind of matrices you've given me over the years. I think this is the one that I've found most of most practical benefit, um, or one of the ones anyway. And uh, yes, yeah, so it's uh, definitely uh, something for for people to dive into. So. Uh, I'm guessing, Ken, that you have a, a graphic that we can share with people. <laughs> yes, I, I do have a graphic that's going to lay out the, the, the six mindsets, the six different colors. I've got some example people from history and, and from, from current events, the people you, you might recognize, just to, to give you a handle about, hey, here's a model of what somebody who's purple looks like or somebody who's red looks like. And then you can take that model and, and map it to your world and say, hey, who's like this? And it'll, yeah. it'll help you see that. Okay. And so we'll put that graphic on the, the show notes for this podcast. Again, you can find this uh, that at bitesizebio.com forward slash podcasts. Uh, going to go into the Happy Scientist podcast. And this is episode four. And uh, the, the graphic will be on that page for download. Uh, and we'll also, of course, be looking at uh, core mindset in the Happy Scientist uh, Club Facebook page, Facebook group, Facebook group. Uh, you can go there, uh, facebook.com 
forward slash the happy scientist club and just ask to join and we will see you in there um so i'm guessing ken that there's well, you know once we go through these you know what each of these mindsets is what it entails then we'll be able to talk more about how that concept can actually be applied to you know it, it's really easy to think this is judging people but it's actually not that it's it's the exact opposite it's about understanding people and understanding where, where you your mindset relates to other people and how you well, i'm going to borrow that i haven't heard that one before that was beautiful uh, good. understanding I, rather than judging beautiful I, nick <laughs> i always like it when i make something up and you like it so that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but it really is so easy to think about this being judgmental but it's not it's it really resolves a lot of conflict when you understand the, these different flavors of people and um, and can act accordingly. So we will we'll go through the different flavors and then go through ways that you can act accordingly when you meet different people from uh, different mindsets. Sure, and I hope we don't have to sell anybody on resolving conflict. That is, we need other people to accomplish what we want to accomplish. We're we're not doing simple things in the world. You you especially as scientists, you need to work with others. And so it's, it's just really powerful to realize that I can marshal the forces of all these people of these different mindsets to accomplish an end. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I for one, I guess one of the reasons this has so, been so uh, transformative for me to, know, to, to have this mapping to refer to is that it removes a lot of resistance. You spend a lot of time just resisting someone who's look, who is saying something that makes completely no sense to you like the person who thinks this form is the is the you know the whatever the form that number you gave the xyz <laughs> 37 form the the person who thinks that is the most important thing in the world to get that filled out and you think it's absolute nonsense you can spend so much energy resisting that because you don't understand why it's different for them and uh but if you if you switch it around and and realize that um you know that's where they're coming from. You don't need to resist it anymore. You can just go with it. They're happy. You're happy. And then you can just focus on growth and contribution. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's funny how this stuff all ties back together, isn't it? It's amazing. It's almost <laughs> as if you've thought about this. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> all right. Well, I'd, I'd say that's a wrap for, for this session. And we'll look forward to, to part two of recognizing the core mindsets that control your world in the next episode. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, thanks everyone, and we'll see you on the next episode. The Happy Scientist is brought to you by Bite Size Bio, your mentor in the lab. Bite Size Bio features thousands of articles and webinars contributed by hundreds of PhD scientists and scientific companies who freely offer their hard-won wisdom and solutions to the Bite Size Bio community.
thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode and want to keep learning practical tips on being a happy and successful scientist, don't wait any longer. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack today. And together, let's reignite that passion for science that first got you into the lab. Remember, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. So hit that subscribe button now and check the show notes to download.